Today's Transmissions podcast is brought to you by 80stees.com. 80stees.com has an incredible selection of Transformers shirts and hoodies, including some amazing Transformers costume hoodies. Transform into Grimlock, Megatron, or even Optimus Prime with the 80stees.com costume hoodies. Transmissions is now sponsored by Transformerland.com. Hey, Daryl. Yeah, buddy. Do you know how many missiles my G1 Hound should come with? Um, three. Why? Uh, I've only got one with mine. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was three, but let me just bring up Transformerland.com and take a look at their toy guide to be sure. Uh, yep, there it is. Three. Dang it. Do you know where I can get the other missiles? Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at it right here. It's uh, Transformerland.com. It has an unbelievable collection of G1 parts, figures, to suit whatever you would need. Plus, if you don't see it displayed on the site, you could always ask them through their request an item service. That seems pretty simple. Yeah, plus, it, when you get finished cl- completing the Hound, uh, you could use their handy price guide feature to figure out exactly how much it's worth. Cool, that's something I, I'd totally do. Now let me just bookmark the site, because I, I think I'm going to be coming back there a lot. For sure, it's a great resource with fast and friendly service. I honestly can't recommend Transformerland.com enough. Hello all sentient beings and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the Transformers! Alright, so we're here with Mr. James Roberts at TFCon to talk a little bit of More Than Meets the Eye. And this is a really special interview. We want to thank uh, James for taking the time to talk to us, uh, taking time out of his busy weekend. And he has been busy this weekend. But it's a pleasure. We'll always find time to talk. All right. So, Jeremy, why don't you uh, start? Okay. Um, I guess we want to kind of talk about Dawn of the Autobots first because it's wrapping up. Um, what we saw with Dawn of the Autobots, it wrapped up a whole lot of issues that were lingering from season one, mm-hmm. like um, rewind. And then the, the alternate lost light it answers like the questions about like who was on um, the list that mm-hmm. had died. Mm-hmm. Um, there anything that you consider wrapped up that we didn't necessarily get into the book. So it's stuff that still needs to be wrapped up or, or, or stuff that I'd intended to wrap up. but or, Yeah, stuff that you, you don't think you're going to be able to get back to, but it should be wrapped um, up. I think, I think it's all going to plan. I mean, it was, it's important to me. You know, there's a lot of questions in more, in more than meets the eye, um, uh, but I'm not one to, well, at least I hope I don't, drag all those questions out interminably and then, you know, um, and then either forget to, forget to answer them <laughs> Or, or, or rush rush to an answer, um, or or give a, a full answer, but which, which by that point has become um, unsatisfactory. Because you know, uh, there's a risk that if you drag things out too too much, uh, it's it's going to be an anticlimax. And and you know, there's there's brainstorms briefcase. We're not quite through that yet. Um, maybe there's a risk around that. But um, but you, I think to keep readers trust, you've got to periodically answer some questions you, yeah you've got to have a good payoff you've got to put you've got to close things off otherwise it just gets too cluttered um and so yeah you know with the dawn of the autobots we um we answered a mystery which which goes back to issue eight with, with the necrobot and his list um so you know 
lest there be any doubt, I will say now <laughs> that that you were looking at you know, an, an, a necrobot that had visited the alternate Lost Light and recorded the deaths of the alternate crew. So that's put a bow on that one. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's I guess other we had things. the coffin. The coffin, yeah. So we we you know that that harks back to the warning in issue one about not opening yeah. it. So that's that's that one wrapped up. Did you have all these payoffs planned from the very beginning? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I mean, there's just generally the the, the bigger questions. I, I do know the answer to. I've got a rough idea of when we're going to get there. Um, but it, you know, new answer. I, I I discover new opportunities to ask new questions as we go along, and and I, and I never want to turn them down. You know, just because they weren't there at the beginning. So if I can incorporate new questions uh, as I go, great. But I've got a rough idea of when certain things need to be answered, as I say, because otherwise it just becomes um, too open-ended. And I think we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, I do like a good mystery in more than meets the eye, and I think readers do as well. Um, but you know, there's, there's, this is the age of speculation, and, and and I love, I love the more than meets the eye gets gets people talking, and I love the way you know readers descend on it on the latest issue and sort of piece it apart and deconstruct it and, and I would do exactly the same thing um, but it's, it's it's proving difficult um, to, for me to um, to put a mystery out there which isn't sort of um, in often anyway and often solved or nearly solved through the the, the mass application of brain power and speculation <laughs> right. um, it's yeah I've got to phrase this very carefully because I'm not comparing anybody to monkeys, but it's like that the other thing about, you know, enough monkeys are typewriters that you'll, you'll then end up typewriting, then end up writing Shakespeare. Um, I just mean that if you, if you get enough committed people together and they're bouncing ideas off each other, um, then, you know, if, if I, if I've, if I've done the decent thing and played a decent hand and given clues that are genuine, it turns out people can pretty much, (laughs) pretty much work out. And, you know, the, uh, the duplicate lost light, the double, yeah. the double, uh, the uh, quantum duplicate thing was, uh, as I understand it, that code was cracked pretty early on. And my problem there was that I'd started building to that. Well, I started building to that pro- to that um, to, the, to the resolution of that mystery from issue twenty eight. You know, so I issue twenty eight with things disappearing, twenty nine, bit more of that rewind coming back. Issue thirty with the ship itself disappearing, uh, and then thirty one. The ship in a bottle episode, you know, they're, they're confined to the rod pod. You know, in the days after that, I was being told, you know, the people out, the people on the forums are, are, are having a pretty good guess at what you're doing. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't mind so much if I didn't have another issue to come, which much right. further builds on this mystery. Right. You know, this is t- two months away from the resolution here. So, you know, in hindsight, um, maybe I'd have parceled out the, uh, clues a bit differently or yeah. brought the resolution earlier but i have i have learned my lesson people are very smart <laughs> yeah. and, uh, well, and, i remember listening to the younger base review of the bottle oh, right. episode yeah. and by the end of the book they had figured it out yeah yeah and like i said because I, I don't like mysteries where you've, you've got to give people a fair crack this is the problem you, you can't I, I think it's cheating if you just if the resolution to the mystery involves things which nobody knew about and had no way of knowing, and that's cheating. Yeah, that is cheating. But it turns out you put a single morsel of information <laughs> on the table on that plate, and the masters of extrapolation come out <laughs> and uh, and do their work. And, and the other thing is, you know, the internet and so on. Someone gets the answer. Everyone gets the answer. You know, or someone thinks they've got the answer. Even if it's not confirmed for a couple of months, it's out there for two months, and everybody, uh, except the most spoilerphobic, have read it. And so, you know, it's it's sort of mass. The risk is mass anticlimax. Conversely, you have someone come up with an idea that 
is wrong, but people like it so much, and then they're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for pointing out another down, downside to these uh, <laughs> mysteries. There will still be, there'll always be mysteries in more than meets the eye. I don't think there's going to be any that, um, with the, let's call it the, 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 the quantum doppelganger thing. I mean, that was, um, that was a mystery which was played out over pretty much four consecutive issues, if not six, in a way. Mm. Um, I don't know. And this isn't, this isn't in response to people guessing, but I don't think that I haven't got any of those lined up in, in that format for a while. So, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. In my line of work, they call that crowdsourcing. Yeah. Where, this yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I've, I think I've used that term in, yeah. in, in this context a bit earlier in, in, in a different interview, possibly. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. You yeah. know, and it's, and it is, yeah, I know it's part of the fun and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not down on it as a, as a, um, as an activity, and as I say, I do it myself. But sitting in the writer's seat, to hearing that people have guessed what you wanted to be, you know, you want it to be a slow build. You want people, you want people to to scratch their head about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's a little bit. Oh, I think, oh, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame people have got it. But uh, as long as it doesn't it didn't diminish the enjoyment too much. And of course, I knew that I had brainstorm in my back pocket. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that. Well, and you also had rewind sticking around. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, some people would say that was another fake out death, but let's not go there because that <laughs> that's called tension. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Rug pull. That's cool. That's cool. Misdirect. Whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you earned rewind coming back. Thank I you. Mean, I think yeah. that that whole arc earned it. I mean, it's not it's not a cheat. The other rewind did did it, die. I, right? I, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I'm I I expected there to be um, you know a bit of a backlash against that, and I knew not everybody would be happy with that. Um, and there were times when I, I wondered if it was if it was the right thing to do. I mean, I know where I'm going with this, so you know I've got other I've got other things to consider. Um, but funnily enough, I did in my head. I rationalised it as saying, you know, it's it's not the same rewind. Um, he's then and there needed to be um, a lasting positive or negative, but a lasting repercussion of the Lost Light 2 adventure. Otherwise, it would just be an exercise in wrapping up mysteries. And there's a big emotional. Um story there with both Chrome Dome having essentially to kill Rewind and then the other Rewind witnessing all that yes. carnage. That's Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so that that sort of symmetry, if you want to call it that, was 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 necessarily at the forefront. Um, yeah, so it, what I didn't want for, was for there to be this, sort of essentially is that include the Rod policy and say it's a three-parter with, with the Lost Light 2. Um, they stumble upon it, they work out what's happened, and because the other risk, of course, is, you know, you're seeing, and this is why I'm a little bit wary of, 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 of hyping up the death thing or deaths thing too much. And, and I generally, this is done to me. <laughs> you know, people, people, people have given me this reputation. It's partly founded, but not entirely. <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't, didn't want us to be going into this Lost Light 2 storyline. Um, and for everyone to think, oh my God, tons of people are going to die or are dead. And then you find out they're not dead. And then they solve the mystery and they leave the ship. Well, they go back to the first ship and, and nothing's different because that would be a waste, wasted story. So by, by story's end, you know, we've got the return of, of another rewind. Um, and we've set up brainstorms, um, defection. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, it, with, with all the more than stories, I, I hope, um, they, they, it ripples into the next one. You know, you, you pick up something along the way. You sort of put it into your narrative satchel <laughs> and would, carry it with you to the next story. Would it be possible to have a, another story of the Lost Light Two, like you know, in the past? Something yeah, like um, you'd have to ask yourself why you're doing it again. I mean, you know, you know the fate of, of everybody on that on that ship now, um, and even if somebody 
has had escaped from it. They they've been wiped out. Well, I mean, just maybe in flashbacks. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe. I guess if, with the two or three wind. Yeah, if, and certainly I can if I can use it if I need to use it in furtherance of a different story. Then yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go there. Um, but as things stand, it's pretty much closed off. One of the things I like about more than me in general is you you do a lot of work on building dynamics between characters. And you also do some world building. So like with the, the ship in the bottle episode, in addition to the, you know, moving the story forward with a larger mystery, you have a little bit of backstory about the MTOs and, you know, uh, where, what happened to the Autobots as their military became more and more militarized. Yeah. That's and, right. and determined to, to win. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and I asked you about that in the, in your panel, uh, earlier. Mm. Um, other, the other thing I, I was curious about is some of the relationships. Like we see some, a little bit of, uh, Nightbeat Nautica, mm. uh, having some interactions. Also, there's a, Odd triangle going on with Cyclonus, Tailgate, and Getaway. Some, you know, something's going on there. So, yeah. uh, I'm just curious if you could say a little bit about, yeah. you know, what's what's happening there. Okay. Um, I mean, we we all know that the that the character characterization has always been all my my effort. I, the efforts I've made are generally focused on on creating distinct or memorable characters, and character characterization has been at the forefront of, of most of the stories, and. Um, you know, I, I believe in investing in, in, in the people. Um, and I think if you do that and, and it works, then, you know, you're, you're, you're more than halfway there in terms of telling stories because, you know, you've, you've got people to care about the characters that they're reading about. And, um, and I think I said actually in, in, in answer to a different question at the panel that, um, I often, I think, I almost think of the Lost Light crew in, in pairings and, 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 and threesomes and, you know, combinations of, of characters and how they, how their interactions with, with each other, um, you know, work to the advantage of the story. So, so that's that's all the backdrop to this. Um, and and if you if you, if you put in the time and you've if you're lucky and I, and I hope this has happened with more than Mitzi, you've you've got six, seven, eight or more, um, pretty much well defined or three three dimensional characters. Um, you know, by we're, we're three years into this series now, you can almost put any of them together, and you know, a lot of the work's done for you really, just because the audience brings their knowledge of the character to, you know to, to to the party. And fills in a lot of the, gets a lot of, you know, that it, you know, uh, fills in the blanks really, or, or reads between the lines often. Which is sort of what happened with the Nautica, with the Nautica and Nightbeat thing. Now, this is, this is a complicated discussion because what I never wanted to do and never wanted to do is because Nautica is, is female, mm-hmm. have a situation where whoever she has a conversation with, you know, because they're going to be like male. So whoever, whoever she shares a panel with, then ah, I see Roberts is suggesting that you know there's going to be a spark thing, spark here. There's going to be it's a relationship forming. Um, it, Nautica and Nightbeat they, they've got they've got a lot of time together. They they uh, they they recognise each other as smart people and that and they like that. There's a Mulder and Scully vibe to it. Um, to, to to the context in which they're they're having this conversation. You know they're they're investigating the unknown. It's a dangerous situation. Um, I've heard I've heard somebody sort of talk about uh, very awkward flirting that goes on. I, so I didn't write it as uh, I didn't set out set out to write it as flirty. I can see how people would see see some of it as flirty, possibly because you know Nightbeat's asking about you know essentially previous relationships yeah. that she's got. But um, I'm not. I, I don't have a. I don't have a plan to ship Nautica with anybody. <laughs> like if I if that, let's just cut to that chase. I'm not. I'm not planning to ship Nautica with anybody. Tumblr will take care of it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, the, the, there's. 
there, there's relationships. I mean, Nautica's got a is in a relationship or has a relationship with Brainstorm. She has a relationship with Nightbeat. They may be slightly like 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 in real life, you know, with the same sex or the opposite sex or whatever. There's there's lots of different flavors of relationships, and um, and that's what I hope you see on the Lost Light. But I don't I don't think anybody would would respect me. Uh, I wouldn't respect myself if it was a case of Nautica is a woman, everyone else is a man. Let's just see what combinations, you know, work and, and go from there, you know. It'd be a little bit insulting to, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to Nautica's character, yeah. So, um, what is, I guess, I noticed that Getaway is showing an interest in Tailgate and, and Tailgate, of course, he's, he's, clueless. <laughs> well, I mean, he's clueless and he's also really enjoying some of the attention, attention right. that the rest of the crew is giving him. Yeah. He's, he's kind of, he saved the, the day. Yeah, he's the he's the hero of the hour from the remaining. He's, he's puffing his chest. Yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's. Um, I mean, I was interested to, to, to hear about some of that, um, and 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 to, I actually read some of that um, response to to that. Well, what is essentially quite a small. There's been two scenes uh, to date. You know, there's one in scene thirty, I think, and one in thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of panels, maybe a bit more in in thirty. Um, you know. Tailgate, Tailgate's the all-conquering hero as he sees it. Mm-hmm. His place in the world, he's re-evaluated it. Um, as I said, he's puffing his chest out. Um, and Getaway's a friendly guy, as we saw him r- r- remain in light, and it and hadn't, you know, a lot of them are pleased to see Tailgate's back on the scene after mm-hmm. six months, and it's their first opportunity to talk to him about what he did. So, um, yeah, people are reading things into that. It's, uh, what can I say? Tail- Tailgate um, likes being bigged up, mm-hmm. like getting a pat on the back. Getaway's a friendly guy. Um, well, I mean, I also see Cyclonus, you know, a couple of his stone-faced uh, looks as other people are befriending Tailgate. Yeah, he, he's exactly. a little, a little possessive, protective. And, and really, that that was the that was the point of that scene. Or the, or the, or the, the, the principal point of that scene was that, um, you know, until now, uh, Cyclonus and Tailgate had a pretty insular. I mean, Tailgate actually, Tailgate's made a better fist of it. Tailgate had his movie nights with the others. Uh, he had sort of a, a bit of, a, a, yeah, a friendship and, a, and, a, and a, an affinity with some of the other characters much more than Cyclonus did. Um, but, you know, Cyclonus has just got Tailgate back as well after six months. And essentially, they, you know, Tailgate's back on his feet. They've, they've gone to the pub and then, you know, um, Tailgate's not got a, Tailgate has a newfound status, um, which is getting, getting, uh, noticed and, you know, Getaway being a gregarious and pretty full-on fellow um, is sort of crowding out other people. So, yes, Cyclonus isn't quite sure how he feels about that and decides it's best to, to back away. Yeah, But, you know, you've, you've correctly identified a, a, a shifting dynamic between those three, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we go back to that. Yeah, I, I guess another thing is, and I think you've, you've talked about this before, is that in each season you envision shifting the focus on different characters and mm. i think uh maybe some people like that or some people don't like some people are uh at least i've heard a little bit of people saying you know i, I miss the old lost yeah. light crew that that was a focus in season one and mm-hmm. now with a lot of the new members and having the focus on them it's uh, it's a bit of a shift yeah i mean season one essentially was was 22 issues and the annual and the hoist and trail cutter Spotlight. So, if you count the annualized two issues, you're pretty much talking 25 issues worth, plus a couple of short, yeah, very short stories. Um, so, the season one crew had a lot of airtime. Um, necessarily, we were building them up. We were exploring their their own characters. So, they had a lot of time in the sun. Um, and because you know we had Megatron coming along, because I was taking the opportunity to shake things up a little bit. Season two, as you do, 
um, we we brought in, and that the principal principal met new characters, you know, the ones to, the ones that we've paid attention to. Obviously, Nautica, Nightbeat, uh, Ravage. Uh, eventually, we got to Ravage, uh, Megatron, of course. Um, and we've got sort of the, well, at the moment the second tier sort of newbies such as Blue Streak, yeah. oh, Riptide's in there too. Um, I thought I've got to certainly with Megatron. I mean, Megatron's a, a constant presence in season two um, because you know you can't you can't overestimate the the significance of, of of what he's done. Obviously, in the context of the Transformers universe, it's absolutely massive. You can't just have him attach an Autobot badge and no one mentions it again. So so he's obviously front and center. Um, but I wanted, I, I needed, I needed to be able to do to these new characters what I'd done more or less with the season one characters and give them some space and time and give readers an opportunity to, to learn about them and get to know them. So, um, so we did that more, we did that most of all with the Lost Light 2 thing. Again, it, I mean, that was, it was the, the, my authorial sort of desire to spend some time with these new guys and the need to, to, to get, to help readers get to know these new guys. And the reason why everyone else is disappearing on the rod pod, those two things knitted together really neatly. Right. Um, so that was good. Um, that was good fun. Um, now we've done that. I mean, that, that's, that's the most focus at, uh, at the exclusion of others you're ever going to get on those guys. And issue 34, which is out on Wednesday, um, is a good example of the, of the spotlight shift because now we're looking at Blue Streak. We're looking at, um, First Aid again. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, and who else have we got in there? We've got Trail Cutter as well, um, and yeah, we mainframe. mainframe. Yeah, yeah. so uh, and then after that, um, the next f- four issues are focusing on the season one crowd. So, so we're getting back to Rodimus and Whirl, um, you know, all, all the all the old favourites. So I'm trying to be even-handed. I'm trying to, you know, like I said, imagine a spotlight raking around the cast. Um, you know, so dwelling on a few people or a cluster of people and moving on. And so everyone gets, hopefully, in the end, um, some equal time, equal airtime. Uh, I, I understand if people, you know, people have, I've got very attached to the, to the, the first season one crew. They're not dead. Um, they are around. <laughs> most um, of them aren't dead. Most of them aren't dead. <laughs> not dead yet. Um, so they'll be cropping up. But I think you, you won't see quite, um, as much sort of segregation as we've seen in the first six, seven issues of this season, because, um, like I said, it was necessary to, to put the old, older characters to the side for a bit, focus on the new ones. With the Ship in a Bottle episode and the two-parter on The Lost Light 2, we learn about, like, Riptide's background, we learn a lot, a lot about Nautica, um, you know, and what makes her tick and sort of her, her efforts to fit in, sort of a vague intellectual snobbery and so on. Um, her, her evolving um, relationship with uh, Wind Nightbeat and Brainstorm. Megatron's obviously there as well. Riptide in the, in the Ship in a Bottle episode, we learned about his sort of academic anxiety and we learned he's not that bright. <laughs> so, you know, I'm hoping I've, I've sort of put some more meat on those bones. But that, that now having been done, it is, it is time we switch back to the originals for a bit and uh, see, and see, see what they're up to. Okay. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Megatron. I think you, you've already, in previous interviews, you've talked a lot about Megatron and his motivation, and I think mm-hmm. we're going back to that in future issues a little bit. Um, but I, I was curious about the rest of the crew's reaction to Megatron being mm-hmm. on the ship because in the in the first three issues we get a you know we get a sense of the new status quo. Yeah. Um, but we and we have that whole lost light the the lost light uh, newspaper. That, oh yes, uh, the lost light insider. Yeah, the yeah. lost light insider. Yeah. 
And, you know, there's a little undercurrent of, of, um, animosity yes. towards Megatron. But on the surface, it seems like everyone's kind of treating mm-hmm. him as the captain. Like, uh, specifically Ultra Magnus, who is someone who I think is very, uh, focused on protocol and doing things properly. Mm-hmm. And I think he even perversely appreciates Megatron's presence there yeah. as For kind of a sense of order. Yeah. As a stabilizing yes. influence since Rodimus kind of, is yeah. much less, much yeah, less about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Rodimus. Uh, just to interject, I think Rodimus. Had it not been for Megatron's, Megatron's arrival has, has knocked Rodimus sideways, and you can sort of, I sympathise with the guy to be honest. <laughs> you know, for all his faults, for all Rodimus's faults, uh, it was it was his quest. Yeah, uh, he'd, he'd he picked his crew. He okay, there were some problems along the way, but he uh, he helped them get to the end of stage one of the quest. You know, before Dark Cybertron came along and. and took them on a different adventure. Um, he was ready to go back and pick up where he left off, and, and Primus decided rather high-handedly, yeah, you are going to take Megatron with you, uh, and I'm going to put him in a position of, of responsibility and power on your ship, whether you like it or not. So I, I think, uh, had that not happened, Rodimus would have more readily uh, learned the lessons that he was learning in Remain in Light and in Dark Cybertron. The, you know, Remain in Light with the, um, uh, you know, his conversation, his candid conversation with Magnus, um, you know his confession about Overlord, the vote. The, the, it was off. It happened off screen, so to speak. But yeah. the vote about his leadership, which he narrowly won, all that stuff. I think um, he would have made. Um, he would have built more upon those foundations had this ex-Decepticon not turned up. And, and if anything, f- whether he realizes it or not, forced Rodimus to become more of the immature, reckless. You know, in, in the face of Megatron's uh, sort of stern, disciplined. Um, Position, you know, uh, Rodimus has sort of reverted to type a bit. I think in, in this at this stage in season two, the the fact that we haven't seen uh, much obvious uh, sort of reaction against or, or, or you know rebellion against Megatron's position is largely because we we jumped forward six months, you know, and and where we did have flashbacks, it, they were they were to the immediate aftermath of Dark Cybertron when they were having the trial. If we'd if we'd picked up six months late six months later and the resistance to Megatron is manifest in them refusing to fuck to, to listen to him or lumping, you know, lamping in one or, or, or you know, a, a mass exodus from the lost light. Um, you'd have thought, well, I've got six months on, you know, why, why haven't they resolved this issue? You know, mm-hmm. why haven't they said, okay, well, this isn't going to work. Megatron, you're going back or we're going to lock you up or everyone, everyone that doesn't like it can go. And, you know, for all we know, and, and in my head, there have been people that have, that have abandoned ship as a lot. I can't, I can't do it anymore. But, you know, we were jumping forward six months. Um, so we didn't, in doing so, we missed the opportunity to, to look at, look at more detail as how people adjusted over the first few days and weeks. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, last thing on that, I mean, it was, we also wanted to get to the point where we could dive back into the stories again and, uh, and mm-hmm. the external threats and the, and the sort of season one type adventures as well. Yeah, and we do see Whirl at least as one yeah. person yeah. talking also to someone else yeah. uh, about yeah. exactly. Megatron, and they're trying to provoke a reaction from him too. Well, yeah. And if there's anyone that you would expect that yeah. wouldn't be able to let it go even after six months, it's probably Whirl. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I guess now that we have Ravage, I was curious. Uh, I, I've heard before that you had originally planned for Ravage to be a stowaway on the Lost mm. Light. So I was curious what your 
like what your original conception was. Like if if Ravage was discovered on the ship, there if Megatron was not there, how he would have if he would have been integrated or if he would yeah. have just been. A, I don't know whether. I don't. I th- I think. Sorry, as I recall, my my I wanted Ravage on the ship as another uh, sort of Decepticon post Chaos Decepticon who was going to give things a, a try. You know, I mean, at one stage there was going to be half of the Lost Light were going to be Decepticons, half were going to be Autobots, and it was just going to reflect the post-war, you know, melting pot of factions, uh, and then it became what what it what it was, which was almost exclusively. Um, Autobots with a sort of pseudo Decepticon in Cyclonus. So I think the Ravage thing was back when, uh, okay, it wasn't going to be half and half, but there would have been a handful more Decepticons of which Ravage would have been one. So it wasn't there as a stowaway as such. I think someone actually suggested to me, or so it, someone had said, oh, you know, he'd, he'd make an ideal stowaway or something. Um, I don't know, but anyway, so so the his the circumstances of his of his arrival changed, you know, with with the Megatron thing. And I particularly like. Uh, Nautica's interaction with him is <laughs> she treat she treats him as if he's like a cute and cuddly pet and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and when she pats him on the head, Ravage says, "Touch me again and I'll kill you." Well, it's funny, it's funny you said that because um, a lot of people have mentioned that, and uh, it was a happy accident that 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 bit. Um, I mean, I wanted I wanted Nautica to um, mistake him as sort of a, a subspecies, as mm-hmm. perhaps it reflects um, the way they do things differently on um, on Caminus. Um, and I wanted her to also assume that he, that he was a she as well. Again, just a little nod towards you know, the fact that things are different out in the colonies um, or the colonized worlds. So, so we had that anyway. That was always in the script. But when when Alex drew that panel, originally the panel was just she was standing between Re- Ram, Rewind and Ravage, and she was saying, "Look, guys, you know, I, Ravage, yeah, Rewind. Yes, you are too. You are you are the right size. Sorry, Ravage." Um, I think the original line was. Um, she was saying to him, "Look, your your lack of manual dexterity means you know you can't you can't help." And he said, "Oh, damn these paws of mine," or something like that, you know, in, in a very sarcastic way, which wasn't actually very ravagey anyway. But it was that was the line. And then when um when the art came back, and I didn't actually see this particular page till we were doing the final read through, uh, the printer proof stage, which is the last opportunity you know we get to make changes. So when it came through, and and, and Alex had drawn um, Nautica patting Ravage on the head. In an affectionate way, which was which was a sort of very cute. It was a cute shot, but it, it didn't fit the line t- t- from my perspective. And I also thought, you know, they've just met a few panels earlier. Ravage went for Nautica's face. <laughs> Ravage will hate that. He'll hate having his head patted. So, so I sort of just improvised improvised the line. You know, touch me again and I'll kill you. Um, and and that that's the, that's the line actually more than anything else in the issue, which people sort of keep quoting back to me. <laughs> so. That's very much a Ravage line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I was, and that's it. And I was much happier with them. With that being a ravage, a ravagey line than the original one, yeah. So it worked. It worked out. So uh, I think we should inform the listeners that uh, we're going into spoiler territory a little bit. Uh, this episode should be out after issue thirty-four comes out, so you should. We'll, all... we'll, we'll be out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we won't. <laughs> to make me this. panic. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, we we will not release this before <laughs> issue thirty-four is out. So if you have not bought issue thirty-four. Uh, Stop now. Go out, get it, read it, then come back. Buy it in print and digital. Yes. <laughs> yes uh, yeah. Double dip. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so we have we have gotten a chance to see issue thirty four, and you know you, we just talked a little bit about uh, you know you're not uh, you you've get you've gotten a certain reputation and you think it's not necessarily earned, but. This issue might uh, might, might contradict reputation. that. So in issue thirty three, we had a I, I'd say it was a 
with except for the brainstorm bit, it was a unqualified uh, happy ending. You know, we mm-hmm. have Chrome Dome and Rewind reunited, and James Roberts gives, and in this issue, James Roberts taketh away. <laughs> Is there a, a it's funny you should say that because uh, the working title for this issue was uh, "He Giveth with One Hand" because I just thought I thought that's going to get quoted back at me. Someone's going to say that. Yeah, so so issue thirty four is a, is another kind of standalone issue where we deal with some of the Autobots who have been stranded after the whole uh, Lost Light disappearing and reappearing, and so the focus is on, um, as we said earlier, uh, Blue Streak, Mainframe, First Aid, and Trail Cutter. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they land on this planet Offstead 17, which is, uh, where the Lost Light, uh, the Lost Light 2 had been destroyed. And they are, um, trying to regroup, trying to reconnect with the, the rest of the Lost Light. And things happen. <laughs> so, uh, so actually it's, it's also, uh, there's also, um, I think, uh, the other part of the story where we go back into Megatron's motivation and, I think this is a follow-on from uh, from Shadowplay. Uh, yep, it's had to, chronologically it takes place after yeah. Shadowplay. Because yep. I think in Shadowplay, uh, Senator Shockwave told uh, Orion Pax that they had sent yep. Megatron to Messatine. Yep. And here we see Megatron at Messatine uh, mm-hmm. doing his mining duties mm-hmm. and writing his Decepticon manifesto. Yep, yep exactly. <laughs> do, you, do you actually have that written out? Well, you get you we get, see, you get, we see yeah, a page of it. Yeah, that, that's get, as much as I've as I've written. Oh. I mean, I wrote I wrote more than a page in the in the end, and, and I edited. I you know I, I left some bits out, and you've got. But that's that's your free gift. That's that's page twenty three of the story. This month is is a is a page of text, mm-hmm. uh, an extract from. Uh, well, actually, I say an extract. That's that's what Megatron's writing in the issue. Um, you know, he may have edited it slightly before it was published in the end. But I mean, that's uh, at the moment that's the closest you're going to get to. Um, to seeing towards peace, not least because it takes, as I discovered, it takes a lot of time and effort to put together a, a, a functional political treaty. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I didn't just dash that one off. It was. Uh, <laughs> Did you break out a little Karl Marx for yeah. inspiration there? <laughs> it's quite. It's quite. Uh, it has, has, has sort of Soviet shades to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think that this issue it deals a. Uh, a lot with a little bit of, I guess, moral choices here. And well, if you remember the, um, we first learned about Ofsted seventeen in issue thirty one, right? And it, its specialist subject was ethics, if you recall. Ah, yes. Yeah. So, um, which is mentioned, which is I didn't mention this issue because that really would be too on the nose. But it's sort of a that was a what like a flash, a call forward, if you like, mm-hmm. in issue thirty one to events here. So yeah, it's it's very much built around. Um, Shades of morality and difficult decisions and difficult circumstances, and and each of the characters, uh, bar one, has has a breaking point or it has a threshold, a moral threshold beyond which they're not prepared to go, um, and they sort of they reach that at different points. Um, now I'll, I'll be interested to see readers um, readers reading of the situation and and who they side with in this, and um, it may not necessarily be the I know we're going to be naming names in a minute, but it may not be necessarily <laughs> be the person that. Um, that is there till the end. They yeah. may feel that that person was actually, you know, wrong to um, to to offer up what he did, given given the um, given the body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is a it's it's a very. I think it 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 really does a good job of building this. Uh, you know, this question of 
of what are, you know, what are your choices? What, how do you make moral decisions? I mean, I think one thing I liked is that first aid appears at first to be the mo, the one who is, he, he's, he's a, he's a medic. So, you know, he it has. It doesn't matter if it was a Decepticon or Autobot. Right. He was going to try to save the yeah. person's mm-hmm. life. But then as soon as he finds out member of the DJD, mm-hmm. that changes his, uh, mm. and we, we do have, I mean, I think first aid, he is, I mean, he's, He's had a breaking point before. I yeah, he's, he's, this is important, actually. To, 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 I'm glad you went there because, I mean, um, first aid is, yeah, with, with Remain in Light, he, he blew off um, Farmer's head. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, blew, blew off Farmer's head. And um, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today about that. There's a lot of a lot of people want Farmer to come back. A lot of people, a lot of people want Ambulon, um, which is all nice. But... Um, it wasn't so much that he killed his friend or ex-friend. It was the fact that he, he he's, you know, he's largely, he's got strong pacifistic tendencies. I, I wouldn't say he's quite the, the pure G1 pacifist of all, but he's, you know, he's a doctor. He, he, he avoids killing. Mm-hmm. Here, he killed in anger. He didn't need to kill Farmer, but he, he killed in anger. And that, that knocked him. And, um, there's a comment when we see him again in issue 20, in issue 30, actually, when he comes out to inspect Rodimus's body. And you know, there's you know, Ratchet and Megatron in conversation allude to the fact that he's you know maybe he's not seen very much. And I think if you look at the art, I, I asked Alex to draw him. You know, we're sort of a bit streaked with oil and stuff. He's a bit chipped. He's a bit. He's been neglecting himself. He's not in the best place. Um, he's still he's functioning as a medic. He's doing his bit. He carried out the autopsy on Prime. But um, yeah, as you say, he's um, he's not sort of bobbing happily along. And so this comes at a very bad time for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, he. He takes the moral high ground. I think he, ta- he adopts the right position, actually, for, for most of this issue. Um, if we're really going to get into spoiler territory, then, you know, we find out that he was a little bit, he, he, he lied by omission. He, he withheld information. No, that's um, true. Yeah. About, you know, to sort of avoid the arguments about whether to help or not and to, to persuade the others to donate the uh, active energy on. So that was underhand. Uh, albeit he would have said he did it for the right reasons. So that was his first little stumble. And then, is he, then, then he reaches his own threshold, which is, you know, I'll help anybody except I won't help them. Mm-hmm. Now I know, and, and longer, longer term readers will know that, um, about Agent 113 and about the fact that First Aid was one of the very few people to know that there was a secret agent, an Autobot mole in the DJD. Um, but, you know, the way this issue is set up, it goes right back to issue 29 in that, you know, clearly the Voss, our Voss, the Voss we met, um, back in, um, the uh, the scavengers two-parter. That's a different Voss to the one that everyone else is familiar with. Mm-hmm. If you re- remember the conversation yes. between Rodimus and and uh, Atomizer, you know the Voss that, that they had footage of uh, was their Voss, which yeah, we had, he had hooks. He was clearly different. So first aid knows that this you know, this DJD guy is you know, can't be Agent One One Three because um, you know because he's uh, he doesn't recognise him. He wasn't he wasn't he's new to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, that's, I guess that's my preemptive way of saying, uh, although, although first aid, uh, says enough's enough, I'm not going to help him. In first aid's mind, there wasn't a risk that he was potentially killing the Autobot mole. He knew, he knew that this guy couldn't be him. So, uh, yeah. So that's, so that's his moral event horizon, you know, that he, re- that he crosses there. And, um, obviously blue streaks and mainframes come, come earlier than that. Yeah. And then trail cutter, of course, he, he makes, what most people would say is the completely moral, altruistic decision 
to donate his energon, and of course, he is rewarded for that. <laughs> yes, he gets a DJD reward for yes. that one. And yes, yeah. and, um, and he did just have his, I guess, um, what should we call it? Like um, redemption arc, character or? redemption yeah. with the whole Megatron. Um, yeah, he, preventing he him from being that. able to get drunk mm-hmm. again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he he had his yeah. Um, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't skip and giggle gleefully as I as I typed out these <laughs> these scenes, and um, and I'm sad he's dead. I mean, I you know I I don't I I well I like to tell myself like a serial killer actually I kill for only for good reason. <laughs> um, I justify the killings, but seriously, I um I don't I don't throw away characters uh, willfully, you know, or, or flippantly rather. Mm-hmm. And um, with Trailcutter, he'd you know, he if you he wasn't necessarily an A-list character uh, in more than meets the eye, um, uh, but he was close to it. He had his he had his um, spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a cropped up intermittently in season one. Um, he was uh, um, let's say he was a, he was on the cover of Twenty Eight. You know he was elevated or promoted to a main cast member in, in season two. And as you say, he'd had his thing where um, Megatron. Cured him. Now, you know there was a lot of uh, groundwork had to be laid for this issue. Um, we've talked about how we established that there was another boss, you know, or an earlier boss that, 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 that these guys wouldn't be familiar with. So oh. otherwise, they would have recognised this guy straight away. Um, we had to introduce Trailbreakers' new force field that he he himself couldn't shut down. Oh yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that needed to be set up too. Even um, the fact that it was a lecture world all the all the backstory about lecture worlds and the curricula and the commodification of knowledge and all that stuff and and, and i'm glad it's there and, and it and it's my intention was to enrich the Transformers universe with it but it all started because i needed to be able to hide Kaon in a bunch of chairs <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's the ultimate for me in, in the context of more media that's the ultimate example of 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 deciding that you want to do something and then working your way backwards from that. <laughs> I wanted a situation where um, Trailcutter was trapped in an environment he couldn't escape and unbeknownst to him there was, well, what's the worst thing that can happen if you're in that environment? There's 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 a threat to your life also in that environment. Mm-hmm. So I, it, you know, all the other details were retro-engineered, if you like, from that from that um, setup. And I guess there, there's, a, I, there's an implication that there's a little bit of backstory with so we knew we know that the DJD destroyed the Lost Light too, but mm-hmm. apparently there was also a larger battle going on there to the point where, yeah, I mean, three factions involved. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of um, deliberate white noise around that yeah. around the events. I mean, we haven't we haven't had a nice neat timeline saying mm-hmm. you know we know how events played out up to the end of Rewind's documentary. We know the DJD attacked. Rewind was out of commission for a number of months. You know he was he was. Lying, lying inside, hiding inside the Magnus armor for a number of months, um, and then you know what happened after the DJ. You know, what, you know, he didn't see the DJD leave. Um, as you say, we know that at some point, for some reason, the Galactic Council are, are involved. Were involved, and the Black Block, Black Block Consortia were involved. Um, so yeah, there, we're, there's there's things to um, there's threads that have been left hanging there for for, for re- good reasons. I guess uh, one question I have about the DJD, I mean, we they're kind of shown as boogeyman themselves. You know, we don't really go into their morality in mm. a sense. You know, I, 
I, I wonder if there was any question in Voss or Kaon's mind, well, these Autobots saved our lives. Is there any consideration to, you know, letting them live or, you know, giving them a choice or anything? Yeah, I mean, it certainly as, 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 as of this issue, Voss is blacker than black, isn't yeah, he? Black, yeah. you know, black-hearted and just, you know, just so so dark in his thoughts. Um that I know I don't think I mean he he just acts out of utter spite mm. uh, he knows his he knows his life has been saved by this by this character um and he still does what he does and he does it gleefully mm-hmm. um actually sorry it's not Voss it's um Kaon, isn't it so backtrack it's uh it's Kaon that's trapped inside of them it's mm-hmm. Kaon that um but Kaon knows that he owes his re- resurrection if you like being recharged to 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 trail cutter mm-hmm. uh he wouldn't if if born, born witness to the Morality played unfolded and that preceded Trailcutter's sacrifice or whatever of Energon. But nonetheless, you know, he's got he's got the brain up against this side of the um, of, of the, of the, the bubble, force field. Yeah. He knows the well, he's been told the war's over. You know, he knows he knows he can teleport out. I mean, he, he chooses to teleport out when he's when he's murdered t- Trailcutter. So he's an he's a, he's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't think there's much. Sorry, sorry. Yes, I the names try transpose those names. Kaon is the one, is the murderer that um, certainly showed no. Um, well, I mean, Voss didn't show much uh, much mercy. I mean, as soon as he was had enough energy, he immediately attacked. You know, he was he, he did he did. Um, and you could say that maybe that was just sort of um, a gut reaction, yeah, or, on some level, yeah. uh, or or was it just it's like you know, Optimus Prime in Age of Extinction when he's first reawakened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, um, and Voss gets um, he gets shot, doesn't he, by the others when they arrive? Yeah. Um, well, know. Trailcutter's leg cannons. Uh, yeah, for sure, the first to, to yeah. shoot him, and then the others come in and um, and uh, blast him away from the yeah. force field. And of course, Voss doesn't understand. I mean, he can, you can make out, he can make out what's going on, but he can't understand any of the any of what. Um, That's first true. aid. The old first aid and blue streak is talking yeah. about. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Okay. <laughs> uh, did you want to talk about the the wrong and Freud? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, we have this kind of we have two parallel stories going on, and we don't really see why they're interweaving until the end. We get a little hint, but we don't still don't know uh, what's going on there. But uh, I thought it was interesting that you have so you have two Cybertronian psychiatrists named. Rung and Freud, <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming it's Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud yes. are the you know yeah. the, the callbacks yeah. there. Yeah. And you have a line here where they say we never agree on anything. And the real psychiatrists, <laughs> I think they had competing <laughs> theories of they did yeah, they, psychiatry. They, yeah, they were responsible for the two. Yeah, but yeah, the two the two sort of principal, but but a bit like um, um, quantum theory and classical physics, you know, yeah. or, 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 theory of relativity. We, they hope to be combined, but um, they don't quite. So yes, that's right. Yes, that's um, riffing on their um, real life counterparts. Yeah. That's Nick. I will. I will credit Nick Roach for the Freud um, name. Um, yes, he threw it out there. I, don't, I can't remember what context we were just. He said it as a joke, but it's. Um, I think he, and Freud's been mentioned before in the um, Sound of Breaking Glass. I think one of the uh, oh, okay. one of the yeah. text stories. Yeah. 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 yeah, and we get a li- we get another uh, uh, view of uh, Trepin. And yeah. uh, his, uh, I guess he was doing sha- about to do shadow play on uh, on Megatron or some other kind of yeah some 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 either shadow play or, or a very subtle variation on, on, yeah. on that. I mean the he was he was about to rewrite things and the 
you know, the, the, the words as they disappear mm. as, as meant to symbolize, um, elements of Megatron's thought processes or memory. It's just starting to be tampered with. Mm. Um, it was good to bring Trepan back in, actually. I, that was, I liked, I, I was satisfied with, um, with the, with both halves of the issue, actually, because, and certainly the Messatine one, it was good to be able to, it's, it's like a, it's like an oblique sequel to Shadowplay in a way, because mm-hmm. you've got, You've got the sort of sword of shadow play. I think they, they, we give it. We have a proper name for it, which is um, is it personality adjustment PA? Mm, yeah. Yes. So so there's something akin to shadow play, which Rung, um, perhaps surprisingly, is aware of and recognises. It, it, in Rung, Rung's world, it's it's a very very like medical uh, it's a, procedure. It's respected or accepted yeah. procedure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to be able to bring Rung into it, to to have Senator Shockwave's uh, amendment. I mean, that amendment would have been debated after Shockwave had been got to, <laughs> and Shadow played. If you, I, I, that was intended as sort of Shockwave's um, legacy, if you like, mm-hmm. that um, you know, in his absence, the because there was always. I mean, the, the Senate isn't entirely corrupt. You know, we we, we established in Shadow players. There's a there's a, a core of people around Sentinel that are the you know the the bad guys, if you like. Um, and maybe those numbers are growing. And so, I, as I see it, one of Senator Shockwave's last pre-Shadow Wave, Shadow Play acts was to have lodged this amendment for debate. Um, and, you know, it was carried by a majority. Um, and uh, the impact is that, uh, for a time at least, it takes, it take, you need, need two people to sign off on, on personality adjustments. Uh, yeah. You also kind of see Rung's ethical choice trying to rush there so he could cosign before it happens without even really knowing anything about the you know just yeah to help protect um mm-hmm. freud but it's still kind of unethical yeah go and blindly sign yeah that's right yeah i mean rung is rung is scrupulously moral in this in this in this story really he'll um and maybe he's i mean as i wrote it on my my suspicion if you like on i think rung thinks that freud would <laughs> would go ahead and even if freud knew about um the change of law so Rung's physical presence here is what I can. Like I'm bearing witness to this now. So I'm here. I will. I will. I'll work alongside you. I'll, I'll carry out an assessment, and I'll either countersign it or I will. I will effectively veto it. I am. Uh, yeah. By, by refusing to. And and before that, we have as, as Megatron writing his treatise, mm-hmm. we are introduced to Terminus, who is name checked. Uh, I guess in twenty eight. Yep. Twenty eight. Yep. And so now we see he's a, he's another miner, I guess an, an older miner who's been around a lot longer than Megatron, a mentor to Megatron. That's right. And it's interesting to see how, I guess, and this, this takes place after Megatron's encounter with Whirl in his prison cell. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, um, um, yes, that's right. The, the storyline would, the chronology would be, um, Megatron and Impactor are miners. They, they have a drink. They have a fight. Um, Megatron's arrested. Um, gets beaten up by Whirl, gets released by Pax. At, at some point after that, gets exiled effectively mm-hmm. to Messatine, uh, which Shockwave knows about, tells Prime about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this happens before. There's a reference to C12, um, which is where Megatron Origins is set. It's another mining outpost, and um, Rolt mentions it, I think. Okay. Um, so this this is in between um, Shadowplay and Megatron Origins. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that Megatron is still, I mean, even though we have the dramatic end of that issue from mm. the ongoing where he throws his data pad into the window, uh, mm. talking about when his treatise is talking about nonviolent mm. revolution, but he's still not completely. He's not fully. 
committed to it, no. And um, and I think it's because it's. I mean, we, if we look at pivotal events in Megatron's life, then uh, then being beaten up by World is still is still there. I mean, that he was, Megatron was an avowed pacifist up to that point, um, and World's World's beating introduces him to the to, to the I think the world of violence or its application as we say in chaos theory. So that that's you know you add that ingredient to to, to Megatron's um theories. He's not advocating a pacifism at this stage in his in his in his political journey, if you like, but he is now but this is more about this is focusing on Megatron um being prepared to be a figure being a figurehead or not, you know, being the one that leads um as opposed to the one which incites revolution and, and you know um, and Terminus is very much encouraging him to say, you know, you you're, you're the one. You know, you need to, uh, yeah, collect group actions fine, but there there needs to be someone to take point, and, and you are that person. And so it's about steering Megatron. I mean, and then the next thing is, um, again, chronologically, is is when he when he hurts the guard at the beginning of Origin. So if if it works as I intended it to, then these all the ducks are now lined up to, to create the Megatron. That he was for the majority of his life, and the, the, the Megatron we know best, and we see uh, uh, also around like the when they're talking about terminus and miners and mm. lower class and upper mm. class, and how it seems like, uh, of course, just like I think in some human societies, you know, people at the top, their lives are more valuable than people yeah. at the bottom, and yeah, you know, it, it terminus, it, he's. They they don't want to spend the resources to repair him. He's hmm. Megatron seems to be the only one who's looking after him. And when the planet's evacuated, they they don't allow Megatron to go and and take him with them. And yeah. I'm sure that had a huge impact on on yeah. Megatron. I mean, and of course, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, this was I was trying to um, to make this all about the you know the beginning of um, the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones, and mm-hmm. that that's undoubtedly entertaining. But uh, but it, there's something there is something faintly ludicrous about how every single one of Indy's quirks um, and and sort of character defining phobias and things <laughs> happen in the space of about three minutes. You know? <laughs> um, and so with Megatron, things are a bit more spaced out at least. I mean, this this issue accounts for his uh, terror of shadow play, which you know remember uh, in that scene yes. in the cell right. um, yes. when when Chrome Dome came in. Uh, and his fit and his sort of aversion to needles, as as as, 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 as they said in issue thir- in issue thirty. So and it also, you know, with the rung scene in issue twenty eight, we have the conversation about Terminus. Who is he, and why did you remove the dedication? And he said, "Well, yeah, he taught me. He taught me not to get not to get attached, and um, essentially to do things." He doesn't say this explicitly, but the other lesson learned was, you know, sometimes you've got to sometimes you've got to take matters into your own hands. So, again, it's trying to sort of um, account for a lot of Megatron's motivations. By the time he, um, by the time we reach Megatron Origin, you know, we sort of set set things up. Yeah. And of course, we have the the last panel, which is. Did it surprise you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, Again, with the brainstorm, <laughs> just stealing the scene at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's twice in a row. <laughs> Two issues in well, a row. I know, actually. I, I'm, I'm a little bit on. If I'm honest, I, yeah, that, that was that niggled me a little bit that we had two issues in a row where the ending was essentially just tell an entire story with just one page. <laughs> I, yeah, I I would have um, liked to have found a way to differentiate them a bit more, but in the end, I thought well, I thought it was a strong ending. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, brainstorm has, so, tra- has traveled in time. Yes, and. That ties nicely back to when uh, when Nightbeat and Nautica were opening the briefcase, and 
Time got wibbly wobbly yeah. uh, when they opened yeah. the briefcase. So. This is it. It's. Um, I, mean, I think you did say on Twitter that everything about the briefcase can be known by that one elevator scene. Yeah. So yeah, they were tampering with a, if you like an uncalibrated or raw or a disconnected yeah. briefcase. It was a it scrambled time. Um, and here we have Brainstorm putting it to a more focused, putting it to its proper use, our Brainstorm putting it to its proper use. You know. And, I mean, if you can't, if you don't want to say anything, that's fine. But I do remember at the end of Remain in Light, we had Brainstorm harvesting a spark. Mm. A uh, green spark. Yes. So I'm wondering if if that's coming into play here or that's... Yeah, well, I mean, there's lots of this. is the thing with with sort of multiple storylines yeah. and and, uh, and multiple threads. Things things will get resolved at different speeds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I guess we can we can maybe just get a small preview for I guess Days of Deception. Oh yeah, next, the next arc that's coming, and it looks like Brainstorm going into the past is maybe the framing device for this or. Yeah, I think that's a fair, yeah. fair, fair thing to say. I've been, I've been really, I found the solicits of the last few issues really difficult to write mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to give, I didn't want to give the game away. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, clearly, at the end, by the end of issue thirty-four, we've got we've got a time-traveling brainstorm, um, and we, who we've established as a Decepticon, and uh, he's got he's got he's got a plan, um, and that plan plays out over the next three issues. Yeah, oh, four issues actually. That is that is the days of, de- of deception okay. storyline. Yeah, um, but you'd have seen already through the solicits that we've got we've got Ryan Pax coming in, and we've got Roller coming in. Yes, um, we've got the Functionists coming into play. So, yeah, he's uh, he's he's running mock really. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, cool. Well, well I guess I have one more thing. Okay, in, in the panel this afternoon. I mean, this is not related to thirty four. You mentioned you you know how more than the CI is going to end. Is that just a general when you get the word from IDW that the series needs to come to a close? You know how you're going to do it, or do you have a definite length of the series? Um, well, I've always uh, this, this 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 always sounds insanely ambitious. So I know it's um it's dependent on lots and lots of things. Uh, but I've, in my head, I've always had I've always thought four seasons. 25, roughly 25 issues a season, you know, wrapping up with issue 100, which is something I said in, in issue one and then sort of like author's note at the back, we said, wouldn't it be great if we could get to 100? So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, until someone tells me that's mad, I'm sort of working on those, uh, those parameters. If IDW said, look, you know, plans have changed, um, we're gonna, we're gonna stop it and launch another book or whatever, or you need to wrap it up quickly, then, you know, I can, I can take a lot of stuff out and get to that ending quicker, um, but you know, if I'm, I'm, I've conditioned myself to think in seasons, so four seasons. Now, if if the ideas keep coming and the readership is there and IDW are happy and Hasbro are happy and all the rest of it, and we're getting into season four, you know, seventy-five plus, um, and there's no end in sight, then you know maybe I'll, um, you know, maybe I'll revise that and it'll be 125 issues or something, but. I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it's scary to think that in we're we're nearly in November, um, yeah, beginning of twenty fifteen. That'll be year four for more than meets the eye in red as well, or the, the title formerly known as Robots in the Skies. Um, yeah, that'll be you know, issue uh, year four. And um, as I said at the panel, you know, the, the plots, yeah, the season two runs until the mid fifties, and then we're over halfway to either to the end of the whole series or to that milestone that we yeah. set as a, as a target from uh, issue one. So, 
yeah, I just I just keep I keep my head down and keep writing the stories, um, and you know until until people tell me either through <laughs> either IDW change their plans or readers uh, had enough or um, whatever I'll, I'll keep I'll keep plowing away at the uh, the mega arc. I would love I would love to be able to say that there you go. There's a hundred issues. It tells one huge story. That's that's my statement on Transformers. It's, you know, there we go. Nice. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on we we started a little petition about trying to convince IDW to start a new uh, a new co- a comic series based on the G1 cartoon. Yep. And uh, I just wanted to get uh, your thoughts on it real quick. Um, okay. uh, we talked a little bit to John Paul Bolve about mm-hmm. that. He's something that he's really interested in. And we're trying to talk to David Wise, one of the original oh, yeah. uh, um, writers on the G1 cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I know you in the in the you, yeah in in the panel you mentioned that in the UK they didn't get the cartoon as much as we did here in mm-hmm. the states. Mm-hmm. So just curious what your what your thoughts on were on that. Um, well, I'm all for I'm all for more you know Transformers content and anything which makes it sounds really cheesy, but anything that makes fandom happy is a good thing, isn't it? Um, whether whether we, and this is this is me as this is me as an outsider, not not as part of you know I'm, I'm not part of the editorial team, I'm not party to IDW's thoughts in this regard, but I'm just looking in from the outside, thinking you know you've got we've we've got a couple of continuities we're running with at the moment. The, the, the other one being um, Transformers versus GI Joe. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks, you know, is, is there is, is there an appetite for for a third continuity? Because it would have to be. Mm-hmm. A third. And then I think to myself, well, you know, Regen One that was a third continuity. Well, you know, maybe maybe it can be done. I don't know. Um, there's I certainly, and this is something I did allude to in the panel. I certainly sense a much, um, you know, the, the cartoon was a huge part of the American Transformers experience in the eighties, more arguably more than the comic. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, maybe it's a really potent. And fertile, sort of untapped seam um, that the you know, that the, the comics can you know can revisit and celebrate. I don't know. I you're you're the guys behind the petition, so you know you you, you must sense there's a, a groundswell of then you must sense there's a demand for this type of stuff. Well, I mean, it's it's personally our demand, but we're trying to see if other if other people agree with us. So we're trying we, to. We just, in particular, we see the, the twenty year gap between the end of season two and mm. when the movie takes place. And, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There, there's yeah. a lot of stories that are going to be told, like where did Autobot City come from? Who are these mm. new characters? How do they, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where are their backgrounds? There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you? Um, if you could choose between that and a Beast Wars comic, or uh, again. This isn't me thinking anything. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, because I mean, you never get a greater sense of this than when you're at a convention like like this one. But I mean, so many iterations yeah. of Transformers. I, my my huge blind spot is the um, is Armada and on Cybertron mm-hmm. stuff, and there's so many toys of those things. Yeah, um, and it's and it's fans, you know, and and in each year that those fans get older and and more, you know. Um, their love of that era is just actually, if anything, it's just, it's just solidified. So, yeah, I mean, 10 years time, people will be calling for a, you know, an Energon, the resurrection of the, of the dream, dream wave Energon stuff. It's when, when that era of fans yeah, gets comes of age it, almost. Yeah, they get their yeah. disposable income. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, maybe this is your best, best chance to, <laughs> to get the, to get the, the uh, cartoon finished. Why do you petition for a cartoon? To, to, to fill in the uh... so yeah I mean I think our our thoughts with the comic was that at least I feel like Transformers comics is the place that is maybe the most 
you're most able to tell your tell a story without a lot of uh, constraints put on you. I mean, I think a cartoon require it, you'd require a lot more people to have yeah, interest yeah, a, in it. It would be it's hard to get off yeah. the ground. Well, yeah. and then you have to deal with the voices. Yeah. A lot of the people aren't here anymore. Yeah, yeah. 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 passed on. But I mean, uh, the Mars Attacks um, issue yeah. that Shane wrote. Yeah, yeah, it was really well received. It was really fun, and, and, and we referenced that as in, as a, okay. as an, a model for something okay. that we would like to see. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, well, it's, yeah. it's it's it's. It's a little we we got a little bit discouraged because we did get a lot of the feedback negative feedback we got was well uh I think it's interesting but I don't want to talk about the the years between the movie I want to talk about after rebirth or I want to talk oh, about something really? else and my perspective is we're just putting a petition out there. Mm-hmm. The creative team will do whatever they want with it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I think I just want to see something that's in that in that realm, in that continuity. Well, if there's yeah. one thing I've learned in the last few years is that is that, and in a wonderful way, nothing, nothing's ever dead forever. Nothing, <laughs> nothing's ever written off. Yeah. You can resurrect anything. I mean, who'd have thought Regen One would would, would happen? Yeah, and yeah, that's incredible. And um, I don't know. It just and you look at some of the, uh, you know, the um, what are they called? Generations toys. Yeah, they still yeah, generations yeah. toys. Yeah, you know, and you just see, you can buy a Cosmos again. You can buy. You can buy a night beat and stuff. It's just you know, there's a real. I think if if nothing else, the the people, the creatives, and the decision makers involved in Transformers are well aware of this very rich back backstory they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the toys or the characters themselves, um, and I think you know, who know? I I just think that virtually every era at some point you know could be re- revisited, yeah. resurrected, and, and given a new lease of life. So you know, and. And G1 the cartoon for many, many people uh, is where it all started. So, a very strong nostalgic pull. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time. For that, uh, we we took a you know about an hour of your your time time here. <laughs> yeah. So, thanks so much for for hey, giving us all your uh, all that feedback and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will be really interested to to hear about. Oh, uh, well, no, it's good to talk to you. And just one last comment on the uh, on the issue we were talking about. You know, the other big. Repercussion from that is, of course, that now the DJD know about Megatron. You know, so. that's right. <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Yeah. Good yeah. Talk. All right. Thank you. Don't forget, if you want to buy, sell, or learn about Transformer toys, you can support Transmissions by visiting www.transformerland.com. Thanks for picking up our transmission. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com where you can find all of our contact info on social media and links to all of our show notes discussed in each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.